Man, 4th of July weekend. Isn't this been an incredible weekend? Something so different this year. It's like, but it's been amazing. It's been amazing. So good to see you guys. <laughs> Just about makes me tear up right there. That's crazy, but awesome to see you guys. Um, something I want to do this morning. <clears throat> I remember somebody telling me several years ago, we ended up doing the Pledge of Allegiance. We all stood up and did a Pledge of Allegiance to the flag. And I had somebody come to me afterwards and say, uh, I don't worship a flag. I don't pledge my allegiance to a flag. It's an idol. And it's like, oh my goodness. I went back and studied this. And it's like, I don't see it that way. I see that as a symbol of our country and what our country stands for. Sounds like most of you agree with me. Would it not just be awesome and appropriate for us this morning to stand and pledge our allegiance to the flag of the United States of America? Can we get that? Okay. Well, there's one, and there's one right up there. It's like yesterday, we, I saw the biggest flag. I have biggest flag I've ever seen came by our house, and that's what it just felt like it kind of confirmed and affirmed to me that we were supposed to do this on a trailer, on probably a 24-foot trailer, behind a pickup, probably a 10, 12-foot high flag, and I'm sure 20 or 24 feet long, just drove down the road. It's like, oh my goodness, amazing, a whole trailer full of the American flag. I think I choose to look at, the, at the, that one. Are you ready? I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Father, we just, we just thank you for that, for that flag and for what it stands for in our lives, in our country. I just thank you that you have given us this country and that you have not given up on this country. We just give you thanks, we just give you praise, we just give you all the glory, and we trust and believe in you what you are doing and what you're going to do in this great country of ours and of yours. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Uh, as I was studying a little bit of, of Independence Day, 4th of July, and just, just feeling that, uh, that good feeling towards the United States that we get to live in and, and, uh, and the freedom that we enjoy, uh, I, was, I did a little bit of research on a gentleman named Thurgood Marshall. How many of you have heard of Thurgood Marshall? Yeah, yeah, several of you. And I, and I took a part of a quote and a speech that he made because I thought this really stands out and it really stood out to me today for where we are in America. Man, we have great hope for America, great hope in America, because God loves America. But Thurgood Marshall says, we cannot play ostrich. Democracy just cannot flourish amid fear. Everybody say fear. Democracy cannot flourish amid fear. Liberty cannot bloom amid hate. Justice cannot take root, root. Justice cannot take root amid rage. America must get to work. Yes, this is, I believe this is correct for today. Democracy cannot flourish amid fear. And what's been, what have we seen so much of? What has the media been just bombarding us with? Fear, 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 fear. Liberty cannot bloom amid hate. What are we seeing happening across our country right now? Hate, hate, division, hate. Justice cannot take root among, 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 Rage. 
America's got to get to work. America's got to get to work. So as we as we said together, as we made that that, that <laughs> I pledge allegiance, that pledge of allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God. One nation under God. And when that nation is under God, we become indivisible. You know what indivisible means? Not dividable, cannot be separated, cannot be broken apart, cannot not be divided into parts. One nation indivisible under God with liberty. Indivisible under God with liberty. What is liberty? Liberty is freedom. Liberty is freedom from oppression. Liberty is freedom from the authority that, from bondage. Freedom from bondage. Indivisible with liberty and justice for all. Under God, indivisible. Under God, indivisible. Everybody say, under God, indivisible. When we're serving God, when we're led by the Spirit of God, we cannot be separated or divided. But when I look at what's happening right now, there are two forces that are so working. The forces of evil, I, and I don't call it the kingdom of Satan or the kingdom of the devil or the dark kingdom. I call it the domain of darkness. But the domain of darkness and, and, and the demons therein are certainly coming against in a stronger and stronger and stronger way, are they not? Everybody sees that. And we have got to contend with that onslaught that's, that's coming against this great nation. It seems, it seems, I, I've said this before, that America, that the United States of America is that last great bastion. It's like they look, the world looks to us for hope. We are that great hope that everybody looks, that everybody looks to, that everybody sees. We are the hope. Us as Christians are the hope for our nation. One nation under God. Under God we are indivisible. And in that indivisibility there is liberty and justice for all. Freedom, freedom. I think true freedom is indivisibility with liberty. When we become undividable, it's something that, that we as a nation become undividable. We look at the, at the, at the Black, Life, Black Lives Matter movement, and black lives absolutely matter. And brown lives matter, and white lives matter, and the policemen matter. Everybody matters to God. It says we are created equally in the sight of God. It's like, does it, do we matter? Yes, we matter. Absolutely we matter. Okay, I, I want to turn to a scripture really quickly. Second uh, Corinthians three seventeen. Second Corinthians third chapter, seventeenth verse. I want to tell a little a, a little bit of backstory before we read the seventeenth verse. Uh, in fact, we'll, I'll start reading the thirteenth verse. Hattie, if you want to go thirteen. We'll go 13 through 18. You remember when, when Moses had spent time with God, that Moses came out and his face was just lit up, shining, illuminated, so bright that people couldn't look up on his face, that he began to wear a, a veil so people could actually be around him and see him and, and, and look on his face. We're going to start right here. So, backstory, Moses... Old Testament, Moses, uh, would go in, spend time with God, come out, and face lit up. Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away. It's like, oh. So that brightness, that shining on his face, was slowly passing away, but he continued to wear the veil 
is what I'm reading here. He continued to wear the veil so the children of Israel could not see that it was passing away. Does that look right to you? Yeah, okay, that it was passing away, and he continued to wear that veil even though it was passing away. It was getting dimmer and dimmer, and this meaning, at least this is certainly my take on this, that we are looking at the end of an era, of an Old Testament era, of the Old Covenant, the original covenant, the covenant of Moses, the law of Moses was passing away. It was growing dimmer and dimmer and dimmer because transition would be coming. Are you with me? Unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away. It's like when there's no more bright, when there's no more shining, it, it, it's, it's going to be gone. 14, but their minds were hardened. Their minds were hardened, for until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because, everybody say because, the veil is taken away in Christ. Ah, might come back and revisit a little bit more of this, but even to this day, when Moses is read, so Moses, the law of Moses, Old Covenant, Right? When Moses is read, a veil lies on their heart. What does that mean? It's like, all right. It means that we no longer live under the law. If we go back to the, the reading, as people hear the reading of Moses the veil comes back over and they think that they still have to work, 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 obey every jot, tittle, and letter of the law for salvation. Which is so not true. Nevertheless, even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies on their heart. They just don't see it right. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord... The veil is taken away. When one turns to the Lord Jesus Christ, the veil is taken away. Now, the Lord is the Spirit. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is... And what is liberty? Freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So what do we want and need more than anything else in this great nation of ours? The Spirit of the Lord. And who carries the Spirit of the Lord? We do. So we are to be that great hope for this nation, which is the hope for the world, because we carry the Holy Spirit. But we all, with unveiled face, Beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. <laughs> but we all, say we all, you all. <laughs> Does that sound familiar to you, Teresa? Y'all. <laughs> but we all, you all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. Now, where are you seeing the glory of the Lord? When you're looking in the mirror through an unveiled face. Are you hearing me this morning? What do you see when you look in the mirror? The glory of the Lord. The glory of the Lord shining on your face. We are glory carriers. He's using us. But we have to see ourselves that way. So the veil has to be lifted so we can understand our identity that we are His carriers. We are glory carriers. Do you have it? You got it. But we all, 
with unveiled face, once the veil has lifted through Jesus Christ, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. Transformed into what image? When the same image is what? <laughs> this is not a hard test. But we all with unveiled face, the veil has been lifted, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. We're seeing in our own faces as a reflection in the mirror the glory of the Lord. We see ourselves as He sees us, washed in the blood of the Lamb, redeemed by the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. We're being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We are being transformed by that Spirit. So when the veil is lifted and we look and see ourselves, we see the glory of the Lord in us. Just look at your neighbor now and say, I see the glory of the Lord in you. I need to hold a mirror up here so you can see the glory of the Lord in you. Romans 8.29 says, yeah, can we get Romans 8.29 up there? Everybody can see this. For whom he foreknew, who's he? It's capital H, Jesus, God. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among any brethren. That we... Now, who did he foreknow? Who did God foreknow? Amen. He knew you. He knit you together in, his, in your mother's womb. He knew you. He created you. He designed you with a purpose. But it requires an unveiling for you to step into that purpose, for you to walk in that purpose. There's an unveiling that needs to take place, that you need to be seeing yourself as he sees you, that you are the glory of the Lord. You are a carrier of the glory of the Lord. So we got that. We can move on. Whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed into his image. And what did it just say? That we're, we're being changed by the Spirit. We're being changed, transformed by the Spirit. By the renewing of our minds, we're being changed. This, this is a mindset shift. All right. All right, some of, some, um, you know, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to what? What am I going to do right now? We're going to go to, we're going to go back to the Old Testament here just, just for a little bit. Second Chronicles, because I want to just touch on one part of that. Second Chronicles 7.14, if my people who are called by my name, and his name is, oh, his name is wonderful. His name is Jesus. His name is, there are so many names. But if my people who are called by my name, that would be Christians. That would be us today, Christians. Us, Christians. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. So what I want to talk about this morning is, in order for us to walk in true freedom, true freedom, indivisibility with liberty, but true freedom, true Wow, true freedom. I'm going to have to get a different mic. <laughs> true freedom, for us to walk in true freedom. This is the 4th of July. Freedom, 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 freedom. For us to walk in true freedom, we first have to step into humility. Into humility. Jesus came and said, the greatest of you will be the servant of all. But you know what's happened to us 
in this day, in this time, we have become a self-centered bunch of people that we think that we are so important and that the universe absolutely revolves around us. When the reality we need to humble ourselves, seek his face, pray, turn from our wicked ways, and then he will end up hearing our prayers and heal our land. There's some things that we need, <laughs> there's some things that we need to do. And one of those things, in order to be able to get the veil lifted, is we need to humble ourselves before him and not be looking at who I am, what I need, what I want, what I think, the opinion that I have here is like, this is my opinion, that. Um, And I, I have a ton of scriptures. I'm just trying to figure out. Yeah, okay. I have to humble myself. We have to humble our, ourselves. When um, the Bible tells us very clearly that offenses will come, that we're going to be offended, that there are things that are going to come that are going to offend us. Offenses will come, but woe to him through whom the offenses come. I think, man, that, does that mean that I have to be really, really, really careful, overly sensitive? Did I need this incredible sensitivity training that I don't ever offend anybody? It's like, no, no, no. What I need to do is be very careful that I'm not buying into somebody else's offense. in carrying their banner that I'm now siding with them for a cause that is something that has nothing to do with what Jesus wants me to do or where Jesus wants me to go or wants me to be. The world is so full because, I'll just say because darkness is increasing and the light needs to be increasing through us, that as we see ourselves as the glory of the Lord in the mirror, when we look in the mirror, that's like, yes, 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 I am radiating the glory of the Lord, and I need to not only say it, I need to do it, I need to be it, because that's what he's calling me to be. And that when I receive his love, I need to leak and shower that love all around. But in order to do that, I need to humble myself rather than looking at what I need, what I want, what I think. Does this make sense now? So I'll come. Okay. Now, it's the goodness of God that leads people. Romans 2.4 basically lines it up and says, it's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. So they need to see his goodness radiating through us. That we are the goodness. We are the glory carriers. We are the radiance. Okay. I want to I back up a little bit, go to an Old Testament scripture. We're going to go to 2 Kings 2, 23, 24. Talking about the change from the Old Testament to the New Testament, the goodness and the glory of God and the glory carriers that we are. Let's look at, at, at 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 23 and 24. You remember, most of you in here, I'm sure, have, have studied the Bible, have read the Bible, and remember when Elijah and Elisha you know, Elisha was becoming, he was going to be the successor of Elijah, so he came up through and, and he just hung with him and learned and learned and learned. And then when Elijah, when the chariots came for Elijah and he was, was taken up and, and he saw that happen, so he, when the mantle fell, he grabbed the mantle. The first thing he did was slap the river with that mantle. The river parted and he was able to walk across Elisha was able to walk across because the river parted. There were uh, 50 prophets uh, that were of the school of prophets that watched this all happen, and it's like, wow, wow, wow. But they wanted to go find. They wanted to go look for, for Elijah. Elisha said, no, don't go look for him. No, don't go look for him. No, don't go look for him. Then he caved in. He started to feel guilty, caved in. Okay, go look for him. 
they looked for three days. They came back. They couldn't find him. And they said, yeah, well, we didn't find him. He said, I told you so. I told you not to go, but you went anyway. Finally, I caved in, and I let you go. I knew you weren't going to find him. I told you so. The next, he, he started his walk, his mission now. He, he's on his mission. He started out, and the first thing that he did, he came to the city, and the water was tainted, and, and which caused the ground to be sterile. And he says, okay, get me a brand new bowl. I'm going to fill it full of, fill it full of salt. And he threw salt into the water, and, and the water was made fresh. The water was made new. The water was cleaned up, and the land no longer. The land became fertile land. He went from that miracle and was, was walking towards, if I remember right, he was headed to, I don't remember where he was headed, I think to Jerusalem. Yeah, headed to Bethel, headed to Bethel. Yeah, that's probably in the scripture. <laughs> he was headed to Bethel, and on his way to Bethel, this is where the story picks up. He's done his first miracle. He's on his way to Bethel. So look, look what the second incredible, uh, well, he slapped the water, the water parted, then he's, he's cleaned up this water. That was his first real miracle. The second thing that he does as he's on his way now would be in this uh, verses 23 and 24. 2 Kings 3, 23, 24. Look at this. As he was walking... Man, I think I'm not... I have the wrong. Oh, chapter 2, verses 23 and 24. No wonder. Come on, Lynn. Okay. Here, here's what happened. The water remains healed to this very day, uh, as Elisha had spoken. And then verse 23. And he went up from there to Bethel, and as he was going up the road, some youths came from the city and mocked him. And they said to him, this part I find really, go up, you bald head. Go up, you bald head. I mean, they're taunting him, they're teasing him and calling him a bald head. Now, the moral of this story. So he turned around, looked at them, and pronounced a curse on them in the name of the Lord. And two female bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of the youths. It's like, wow. Well, you could go back and study that, and, and they had like, you know, they, this was a rough place. They had gangs like we used to have here 20 years ago that wandered around and taunted people, and, and, and they were mocking him and even mocking God because it just made me wonder, did they know about or did they hear about Elijah going up? You think that's why they would say, go up, go up? What do you think, Matthew? <laughs> yeah, me either. Go up, go up. I just think it's really interesting. Go up, go up, you bald head, you bald head. He turned around, looked at him, and pronounced a curse on him in the name of the Lord. Two female bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of those youths. Pastor Rich, would you stand up for a minute? <laughs> hey, this guy's a prophet. Beware, beware. Moral of the story, don't mess around with a bald prophet. No. <laughs> no, he is, a, he is a powerful, prophetic man of God, and I just thought it would be, have a little bit of fun right here, because he, he's a man with a great deal of authority, and I know he's not going to speak a curse from the Lord, and bears are going to come out and get you. He is going to be much, much more like, like Jesus. Let's turn now to Luke 9, verses 51 through 56. Jesus was headed towards Jerusalem. Now, well, I think I want to find it. We got it? Luke 9, 
Okay. I'm going to back up probably. I will go start with 51. It came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up. Everybody say received up. Isn't that interesting that the verse that we just looked at, say, you know, go up, baldy, go up, baldy. Then we turn to this. Now as it, came, as it came to pass when the time had come for him, for Jesus to be received up, that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem and sent messengers before his face. As they went, they entered a village of the, Samar that, the, village of the Samaritans to prepare for him. They wanted to prepare that village for Jesus as he came through. But they, the Samaritans, did not receive him because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. When his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, I mean, they were really frustrated that they did, were not ready to receive Jesus for who he is and for what the purpose that he was there. When his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? just like Elijah did. So these guys were really unhappy, and they really felt like they had studied the Scriptures. They knew what Elijah had done. So should we command fire to come down and consume them like Elijah did? And he turned, rebuked them, and said, You don't know what manner of spirit you are of. You do not know what manner of spirit you are of. The Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. Now, that's what Pastor Rich is here for. He's not going to be speaking curses. There's not any bears come out. He, he's going to be speaking life over each and every one of you. As Jesus did, that's what we're called to do. See, Jesus said as, as, he, as he hung on that cross... It is finished. It is finished. Meaning, a couple of things, but the old covenant is finished. It is ended. I have made that sacrifice fulfilling all the law. Every law has been fulfilled. Now it is finished. Everybody say, it is finished. And the goodness of God leads people to repentance. And we are glory carriers. We're the ones that doing the work, the hands and feet of Jesus, that the world gets to see because he has done it all. There is no more sacrifice he was that sacrifice. By his blood, by his broken body, he has paid it all. It is finished. Jesus came not to destroy men's lives, but to save them. Okay, I want to I go back now to, to, to us again. And we'll turn now to Romans fourteen nineteen. Romans fourteen nineteen. Therefore, let us, us is us, pursue things which make peace and the things by which one may edify another. Okay, so important now I, I, that we do not end up taking on offenses, that we know, do not form strong opinions, but that we're really quick to forgive, to make peace, and to be able to encourage and build one another up instead of tear one another down. In a world that creates division, 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 break it down, let's break it down some more and some more and some more. Our call is to be building people up and creating unity. Making peace when it's at all possible with all men.
I think in Hebrews uh, 12, 14, and 15, it just talks about pursuing peace. When it's at all possible, pursue peace, and that we do not let a root of bitterness build up in us that will turn around and defile many, but that we pursue peace, pursue peace. In Matthew 18.33, I, I want to go to Matthew 18.33 just really quickly. I, Matthew 18 and verse... You know the story of the, of the guy that was that was forgiven a great deal. Uh, we could back up to verse 23. We could read all this. I just want to tell you that, that, that a king had come, wanted to settle his accounts. He went out to, went to, the, to, the, to the servants to collect the money that servants had owed him. And, and a servant owed him a whole bunch of money, and he ended up forgiving him, forgiving the man. Instead of selling him and his children and his wife putting, or putting him into prison or selling him or something to, to collect the debt, he just forgave him. He forgave them the debt, and that servant turned around and went to another servant who owed him just a little bit of money and would not end up forgiving him. And since he did not forgive him, that's where, that's where we will pick up. So the, the, the fellow servant fell down at his feet, but he wouldn't, he wouldn't forgive him. And he threw him into prison until he should pay all the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved, and they came and told the master all about what had just happened. Then the master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. So my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Here's the part that I want to visit just a little bit. When you think about the torturers, the torturers, you know, uh, Joyce Meyer once said, when we did celebrate recovery, we talked about forgiveness, forgiveness, and how we have to work through forgiveness, and how and why we need to forgive people. And, and, and Joyce said, you know, unforgiveness or bitterness, when we hold a grudge against somebody, is like drinking poison and hoping it will affect the person that, that, we're, that we're thinking about, that we're not forgiving. I remember listening to another guy, a friend of mine, that had been through a lot of counseling while he was in prison. And he said, well, it's like letting somebody rent space in your head. Not forgiving somebody is like letting somebody rent space in your head that just, that just stays there. It's like, you know, when, when we think of ourselves as, as really important, that we think that, yes, but what he did was so wrong. I remember Casey Roberts standing right there and Matthew and I praying over him and really, I mean, he was broken up, had all kinds of injuries and, and weren't healed by surgery and he was, he was jacked up. He was messed up, couldn't lift one of his arms and, and we, went, we worked through that. I, I know I've told this story before, but I feel like it, it begs to be told again that in the short version this time, as we were praying over him, I really felt strongly that it's like, you need to forgive somebody to get this healing. You need to forgive somebody. And uh, I said, is there somebody that you need to forgive? And he said, I can't. It's like, what do you mean you can't? You can't forgive somebody? If your healing is ready to come, you can't forgive somebody? And he said, no, I can't. It's like, finally, after, I think it took us about 20 minutes to get to the point that he was able to forgive somebody, that he had said, I can't. As soon as he forgave them, it opened up. The presence of God came on him, and he was completely healed. It's just like... I believe when we look at this scripture, this in the 18th chapter of Matthew here, then we talk about turned over to the torturers. Those torturers, we can still end up being turned over to those torturers that we can be tortured every day of our lives because that person still has the space rented in our head because anything can trigger that and we can go right back to feeling the same way that we felt. Bitterness can come up, bitterness can rise up and defile a lot of the people around us. We then can be the one that somebody begins to side up with 
and that offenses come to others because of us. Did I just say that right to make sense? We can be the one that causes others to be offended. When he says offenses will come, but woe to those from whom the offenses, that the offenses come through. It's like by not forgiving, we can, one of the things that is so, so, so normal for us to do is try and get somebody to side up with us. Try to get somebody to side up with me because he did this to me, she did this to me, and I need to tell you that what he did to me or what she did to me. So you can side up with me. It's like, whoa, I should have a millstone around my neck and be, to be sunk to the bottom of the, what, of the whatever because of what I have just done because I have caused you to take on an offense, which is a sin. You following me? So we have got to be people that quickly forgive. People that quickly learn to forgive. Or we can just live tortured. We don't have to go to hell to be tortured. We can live tortured through unforgiveness. In fact, we can live in pain. We can live in agony. We can live in sickness, not in health, through unforgiveness. Got it? Does it make sense? We have got to be quick, quick, quick to forgive. You know, when Jesus was hanging right there on the cross and he said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. It's like we, we need to end up taking on that posture of being able to forgive, just forgive, forgive. doesn't mean what they did was right. But the goodness of God that leads people to repentance, when they can see, feel, and understand that they have been forgiven, it can be released in that forgiveness even that we hand out. Turned over to the torturers. It's like, wow. We have been forgiven much. We need to forgive much. As we, I'm just about ready to, just about ready to close, but I, I, I feel like I've not quite finished making the, the point that, that I really need to make here, and that's that we, 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 we have got to be very, very close, very quick, very ready to, to forgive, blanket forgiveness. Uh, let's turn to Colossians, third chapter, First verse. In fact, I think I'm just going to read several several verses right here. If then you were raised with Christ Jesus, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. You see, here on the earth there are so many distractions. But Jesus is the King. Jesus is our hope. Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through Jesus. And his work is finished. For you died. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. You are dead, dead, dead to sin. Alive in Christ Jesus to accomplish all he's called you to do. The veil has been lifted. You see yourself as the glory of God when you look in the mirror. For you died, your life is hidden with Christ in God. 
When Christ, who is our life, Christ is our life, when Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which also you once walked and lived in them. But now you must also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, wrath and malice. You know what wrath is? It's like anger on steroids. It's anger, the next level of anger. Blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Don't lie to one another since you put off the old man. The old man is dead. His deeds are dead. We've put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge. Renewed in knowledge. Renewed in knowledge. According to the image of him who created him. The image that we are being transformed into. The image that we are being conformed into. Transformed by the renewing of our mind. Renewed in knowledge according to the image of who created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free. But Christ is all. Everybody say all. And in all. Therefore, everybody say therefore, because after therefore comes something really important. As the elect of God, that's you, that's me, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind. What do I say if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves? That we're not thinking that the world revolves around us and that somebody said something that hurt my feelings or made me mad or somebody called me fat or somebody called me skinny or somebody made some kind of reference. You know what? I am... (laughs) Both. (laughs) At different times. At different times. But you know, so oftentimes, if we think the best of people and that our goal is to build people up then we won't take offense by what somebody says or what somebody does because we're thinking the best of them humbleness of mind meekness long-suffering which is patience but listen to this bearing with one another and forgiving one another Father, forgive them, for they really don't know what they do. Don't know what they did. And Stephen, even as he was being stoned, was just speaking forgiveness over the people that were stoning him. Bearing one another up, forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must do. If anyone has a complaint against a brother, against somebody else, forgive them. (laughs) That sounds pretty simple, doesn't it? It's not quite as simple as it sounds all the time. But above all things, put on love. Everybody say, put on love. Which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which also you were called in one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. One another. Singing, oh, in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. It's like teaching and admonishing one another in psalms hymns and spiritual songs you know isn't it amazing what we can learn when we're reading and singing the lyrics that are up there 
And if we will apply those lyrics, what teaching is available to each one of us through those lyrics? Singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father through Him. Let's just stand together. Father, we just give you thanks this morning. We come before you with thanksgiving in our hearts. We love you. We worship you. We praise you. And we love every opportunity, every open door that you give us to be able to share the good news of your son Jesus with others. And we just thank you that you are such a good, good God. Your desire is that none should perish. And your desire for each one of us is that we would learn our identity in you, that you would lift the veil, that we would see ourselves as you see us, glorified, perfected in you, and that through your love in our lives, we would step into the place of completely receiving that love and that we would be able then to give that love, to just let that overflow to the world around us. We thank you. We praise you in the mighty name of Jesus. And together we said, Amen. God bless you. Go with you. <laughs> Make his face to shine upon you and give you his incredible peace. Peace, peace, peace. And we got a barbecue. Bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you. <laughs>